Today, I, I, want to, uh, I want to begin with this message called Power Up. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you have a Bible, open up, because I'm going to walk through uh, this passage of Scripture. Uh, if you don't have a Scripture, it's going to be on the screen for you as I get through it. But we're in this series called Launch, and we're talking about how to find and to live out the plan and the purposes for God of God for your life. God has created every one of us, and he's given every one of us a purpose and a plan. And so how do we do that, and how do we live that? And not just about getting saved or, or having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. But how do I live the life? How do I run the race? How do I finish strong? So today I want to talk to you about, about powering up your life. Now, I'm a huge lover of technology, and I'm a big Apple computer fan. Uh, matter of fact, several years ago at the church, we did everything. We went basically everything to Apple except for a couple of holdouts. I won't point any names, but Gary Pribinich, and uh, he just can't let go. And uh, although we got him an iPhone, and he absolutely loves it. So anyhow, um, and, and I'm not hating on non-Apple. They're just a better product, and so I'm sorry. But anyhow, and, and so the thing I love is, I, I, like, is, the, is the amount of technology that goes into just like a, like a smartphone. So if you have your smartphone, I mean, like, what you can do with this device is amazing. I mean, from everything from calendar, your life, to, uh, to FaceTime, if you have family or friends that live around the world. Uh, I've literally been on Wi-Fi in Africa and FaceTiming my wife uh, and just talking and having a conversation and just on my phone. I mean, you know, from texting. And I was one of the late, like, the laggards when it came to texting. I, I remember my staff saying, man, this is so awesome. And I was thinking, why in the world would you text somebody? Just pick up the phone and call them. No, contrary, Mo Fair, don't call me. Text me, right? Because I don't want to talk to you. Are you that way too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all right. We're in church. We, at least we can be honest here, right? So, so you can just, in just the amount of technology that goes back and forth and, 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 and calendars and, and just being able to surf the web. And some of you are watching football game right now as I'm talking, and that's wrong, and I see you. And, and we can actually record your activity. I'm just teasing. But you know what I'm saying? It's all of this technology that's here. And, and here's what I want you to get, because most of you in this room have a smartphone or a cell phone. Everybody on the planet has a cell phone except for my father. He's a holdout, but anyhow, pray for him. But um, my mom has one. She keeps Facebook alive. Zuckerberg loves her. So anyhow, um, the reality is, is that I think that a smartphone is much like the new life that you find in Christ. It's not salvation, but, but it's this, this new life that you have in Christ. And what happens is, is all of a sudden you give your life to Christ, you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life, and it's all of a sudden you've got this new life, and it's shiny, and, and it powers up, and, and it's got all of these great things you can do, and you're excited, and before long, man, you, are, you are, are doing all these things, and you're just going through, and I mean, life is just, and you can, from, I mean, just everything, just everything in your life, and it's just great. And all of a sudden, then one day, all of a sudden, it seems like everything just kind of goes dark. And, and like, what's going on? So you bang the thing around, because isn't that what you do when, something, when technology doesn't work? Just hit it. That's what, what we do. And so I learned that with rabbit ears on a black and white TV as a kid. Just hit it. And you don't really throw it, because you don't want to break the glass, because that's expensive. And, um, and so anyhow, but you just kind of do that. And then you look up, only to see everybody else in the room. They're steady away working, and you're not. And here's what happens. This is where people go, well, maybe something's defective. And maybe something is completely, my wife just texted me. She just landed in, in L.A. And so 
Thanks, babe. So anyhow, um, she's with the ladies group, and they're working at the Dream Center this week with Tommy Barnett and Luke Barnett, so they just landed. So that's awesome. Okay, so anyhow, I'm sorry, I'm a little ADD. It's like, there's a bird. Okay, so uh, anyhow, um, <laughs> please, no, people are now going, I can text him right now and tell he'd be a distraction. Please, I'm asking you. Okay, if you're my staff, I'll fire you. Anyhow, um, but the reality is, all of a sudden, it doesn't work. And you look up, and you become discouraged, and you think everybody else's new shiny device works, but not yours. And then you just think, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. And so you kind of go into this funk. And, and, then, and then before long, you just kind of leave it because it doesn't work anymore. Or you say this, you know what? This technology stuff is just not for me. This Jesus stuff is just not for me. And the problem isn't the device, your new life in Christ. The problem isn't you, this new recipient of this new life in Christ. The problem isn't everybody else. The problem is, is that you have not taken this device along with the power cord that they give you and unraveled it and taken it out of the package in which just simply to take this thing and to connect it in and to plug it in and then to simply plug it into the power source. And when you do, all of a sudden, it powers up. And it juices up again. And then you realize the key to this life in Christ is not the shiny new device. The key isn't the activity and all the busyness that you do. The key is in the time that you take to simply just stop and power it up. Jesus talks about this, not about iPhones, but he talks about this this principle of powering up. You can have the greatest calling of God on your life that anybody has in the room. You, you can have an incredible personal experience when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. But if you don't stop and apply this one principle we're going to talk about today, you will crash and burn. You will find yourself, the, the, the light of your life going dark. You will find yourself dull with your, with your relationship with Jesus Christ. You will find this life in Christ to be something that you'll just walk away and go, that's not for me. It doesn't work. And I'm telling you, the key is simply found in powering up. Jesus talks about this. In John chapter 15, if you have it, I want you to turn there. John chapter 15, how does this work in my life? How do I keep my life uh, powered up in Christ? How do I fulfill God's plan and calling for my life? Jesus is speaking to the disciples here, and it's it's the Last Supper. And he's giving them basically some marching orders and some coaching instructions on how to power their, their selves up, how to launch the life that he's called them into. And he says this in verse 1, I am the vine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it may be even more fruitful. And he's given an analogy or an allegory here of, 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 of a tree. And I'm just kind of modernizing that, that piece. It's the same connection. Verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you, Jesus said. If you remain in me, or your Bible, if you're reading the King James, says abide in me, and I also remain in you or abide abide in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain or abide in me. For I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You you lose your power. You lose the charge. Verse 6. For if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. For this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
Verse 9, and as a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the life and the light that it gives into our lives. And I just pray in these next few moments, Lord, that you would just anoint, God, my words. Uh, that I feel like you have spoken to my heart to speak to this congregation. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Holy Spirit, speak to us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. The the first thing that he says here, I'm going to walk through this passage, is that Jesus is the source. If you're taking notes, you want to write that down, that Jesus is the source. He's the vine. We're the branches. He's the power source. We're just the, the iPhone, if you would. We're, 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 we're just this. He is the source of our life. He's the power source of our life. Let me say this. And I know this isn't popular in the world in which we live in. There is only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And I'm not doing this to get, to, to get on, my, on my soapbox. And it's what, I, what we would call in the South candy stick preaching. I'm just kind of giving you just stuff that's real easy. Just, you know, it's just kind of lobbing the softball up in the air so we can hit home runs. But I think it needs to be said over and over and over again that there is one way, and his name is Jesus. I didn't write the book. You didn't write the book. None of us get editorial privilege over the book. He is the vine, the vine. That article, the, means it's the only one that's true. Every other one is false. Amen. And so the reality is, is that we need to make sure that we understand that. We need to make sure that we live that. We need to make sure, moms and dads, that we are teaching our kids this so that they don't just assume. They don't just, just think or whatever. Because if you don't teach them, the world's going to teach them. And the world's not going to teach them that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth in life. They're going to teach them that Jesus Christ is a way. He is an alternate power source. But there's many ways to fuel your life. There's many ways to fuel your spiritual life. But the Bible says, no, that he is the vine. That the Father is the vine. That we are just branches, you and I. And and if we don't bear fruit, he will crop us off and put somebody there that will. That there's a responsibility. but but, But God is the power source. And his name is Jesus. Now, this is something that I'm about to say that does not seem really complicated but I think we completely misunderstand this. And the second thing you have to understand is this, is that the connection to the power source is your responsibility. The connection to the power source is your responsibility. It's my responsibility. Let me show you this. Look at verse 4. He says, if you remain in me or abide in me, and I also remain in you or abide in you, no branch can bear fruit itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can it bear fruit uh, unless you remain in me. That word remain or the word abide means to connect to, 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 to dwell in, to, to live out. That's what it means in the original language. Here's the, here's the operative word in, in this phrase. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. But if you remain in me, I'll remain in you. Most of the time we read that passage and we, we totally just crop off that first phrase right there at the beginning of that sentence in verse number four. Remain in me. We just read it. I also remain in you. We just think somewhere that if I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart and into my life, then he's in my life and that's all I need. No, no, no. That's what you need for salvation. 
For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God, lest any of us would both. We confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus, who the Bible says he is, that he is the way, the truth, and life, and that we invite him into, the door, into our heart. Revelation chapter 3 says Jesus stands at the door of your heart, and he wants to come in, and if you will invite him in, you'll be saved. We get that. But that's salvation. That's where we're saved. We're going to go to heaven, and, G- and Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We've confessed him as our Lord and Savior. Now we have to live this life out. This is what he's teaching the disciples. The operative word in the phrase is not, I remaining in you, I'm already in you. You read verse 3. Verse 3 says that my words, Jesus told the disciples there, have already washed you. It's already cleansed you. You're already saved. You understand that? Look at verse 3. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So Jesus Christ has already said, look, disciples, you're already saved at this point. But what I'm wanting to tell you is how to abide, how to remain, how to stay connected to the power source. This is where it gets to be important. And what that phrase means, if you remain in me, meaning this is contingent upon your activity, this is contingent upon what you need to do, you have a responsibility to connect. Listen, as much as I wish my iPhone would just like stay charged all the time, don't you hate the days where it just goes, it's at the worst possible times, right? I mean, it's at the end of the day, you're, you're out, you don't have your power cord, or you have a power cord and you, you can't connect. And I mean, it's just one of those inopportune times. And the reality is, is that you have a responsibility to power this thing called your life in Christ up. It's your responsibility. It's not Christ. He's already come in your heart and your life. He's given you power. Incarnational presence of God transcends the very being of who you are. But what you and I have to do is we have to abide. We have to remain. We have to be connected to the power source. And that's our responsibility. This is why people get saved and they come to faith in Christ. And it's all new and fresh. And there's joy unspeakable and peace that passes understanding. And everything's great. They feel like they can take on hell with a water gun. And six weeks later, you find them at a bar, half drunk because it doesn't work anymore because what they thought was you lost that love and feeling it's gone 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. he's going there yes all of a sudden you got this love for Jesus Jesus got this love for you and everything's good and don't act like you don't know that song everybody's seen Top Gun in the room so I mean I'm just saying it's one of those deals and then all of a sudden it's gone 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 whoa 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 and you what happened Jesus did you leave no he's still there what happened? Your spiritual life has gone dark. Why? Because you have not remained in him. You've not dwelled in him. You've not abided in him. But I showed up and went to church. We're going to find out what he tells us to do, and that's not part of it. It's interesting. I mean, I, 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 I brought the tithe. That's good. You need to do that. Amen. That's a good time to say amen. I, I, I gave the missions. I went on a mission trip. That's good. But Jesus tells the disciples, here are the conditions for connection. Here are the conditions for connecting. He, he, he tells them in, the, in these following verses, here's how you remain. Here's how you abide. Here's how you stay connected. The same way if you came to me and go, man, my iPhone just went black and I don't know what happened. And I was online and man, I was just telling people about Jesus on Facebook and it's gone. And it's just, I would say it's dead. And you go, what? Yeah, do you have a power cord? Go back to the box, take the power cord out, plug it into the wall. Plug it into the bottom of the phone. Oh my goodness, it's working again, Aaron. Okay, thanks, I'm glad I can help you. Let it charge for a few hours and you can take it and disconnect it and use it. And then when it gets that little, little thing in the upper corner that says 10% or less, then you need to stop the usage and reconnect. 
Somebody's using their phone right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Connection is your responsibility. So what are the conditions for connection? He tells us right here. The first is to walk in the Word. To walk in God's Word. Again, this isn't rocket science, but, but it's there. He says in verse 7, if, my, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. What are his words? It's the Bible. It, it, it's his word. It, it's, it's scripture. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. So if you're going to be one way that we connect ourselves, one way that we dwell, one way that we charge or power up our life is simply by walking out the word of God, simply by staying in the word of God. If you're a new, 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 new Christ follower, I would tell you, if you don't have a Bible, see us after service, see anybody in the, with the blue shirt, guest service, myself, anybody, we'll give you a Bible. And, and, and the reason why we want to do this is because this is the first way Jesus says that you stay powered up, is by staying in the Word of God. And when you get a Bible, a lot of times you go, man, there is so many pages and there's 66 books and where do I begin? That's why we want to get you connected to Starting Point. Because Starting Point will tell you where to start. That's the name. I know this is really deep, but just stay with me for a minute. Because it's, if you began in, in Leviticus, you may get lost and may not make it out. If you <laughs> began in the book of Numbers, you may get lost, you may not make it out. So probably start with the book of John. It's real simple. And the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. I mean, it's, but it's walking out the Word of God. And if you find that your spiritual juice and power is waning, when was the last time that you read Scripture in a meaningful way where the Holy Spirit illuminated it to your heart? If it's been a while that may be the reason why your spiritual life is going dark. The second thing that he tells us, the, condition, the conditions for connection, is to be active in prayer. It's to be active in prayer. In verse 7 he says, And if you ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. If you ask, who are you asking? Jesus Christ. He's the vine. We're the branches. So, so, what do you mean? I mean, you have to have an ongoing conversation with Christ. It's called prayer. Prayer is not something that, that's filled full of a bunch of Shakespearean-type words. Prayer is simply you conversing with God and giving God time to speak to you, which typically he'll do through his word, but he can speak to your heart. And it's that time where you just get alone with God and just say, here's what's going on. You may be the kind of person that you like to, to sit in a chair and, and drink a cup of coffee early in the morning before anybody gets up and you just begin to talk to God. You may be the kind of person that you like to take a walk and, and connect with God. The, the, the posture is not what's important. What's important is that you take time just to simply say, God, here's what's going on. Isn't that what he said in, in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give God praise. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, have your perfect will in your way in my life today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you know what's going to happen at 3 o'clock today and 6 o'clock tonight. You know what's going to happen with my spouse. You know what's going to happen with my kids. You know what's going to happen at school. You know what's going to happen at my job. Lord, give me today what I need. Because the Bible says that yesterday's gone, tomorrow's not come, that we live in the here and the now. It's the ultimate carpe diem lifestyle. God, give me what I need today. The patience, the insight, the wisdom, the guidance, the direction that's beyond my own ability. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, forgive me of anything. And God, I forgive anyone that's done anything wrong against me. Let my heart, let my spirit be like Teflon. Just let it just simply just be nonstick. Lead me not to temptation, but deliver me from evil. Why? Because we're all going to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. 
Keep me from temptation today, Lord. Keep me from failing, Lord. Why? Because everybody in this room is susceptible to failing. Everybody in this room, we have feet of clay. Every one of them in this room are just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. We're just sinners that have been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And what a glorious grace it is. But don't forget, you are still wrapped in this thing called flesh. And there's a war that goes on every day. So, forgive me. Lead me not to temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I mean, that's, he said, he told the disciples, pray in this manner. So it's just one of those things where you just simply sit down and you just spend time talking to God and speaking to him. And sometimes in that prayer time, it's just silence. You're just going, God, I don't know really what to say right now. But I just want to sit in your presence. Because the Bible says, when I call on your name, Jesus, you are there. So I know that you are here. If it's been a long time since you've had a meaningful, quiet time of prayer, and I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep, or good food, good eat, back your ears and let's eat. I'm not praying, oh Lord, please help me not to fail this test. Or oh God, please help me be able to get and pick up the kids. You know, I've been late again. This is the third time this week and the daycare is going to dock me if I'm late again. I'm not talking about that kind of a prayer. I'm talking about a meaningful connection where you withdraw from the pace of your world and you just get alone with Jesus. That's part of having that connection with God. That would, that's what it means to remain in Christ. Jesus goes on to say in verse number 10 that we're to obey his commandments. This is how we stay connected. It's right here in this passage. To obey his commands. He, he, he tells us that he said, he said, if you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll stay connected. You'll stay powered up. What's his commands? Well, I'm going to give you this scripture. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Jesus says it like this. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like this. To love your neighbor as yourself. Look at verse 40. This is very important. All of the law, the entire Old Testament, and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what does it mean to obey his commands? What does he mean in verse 10? First of all, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The most important relationship that you have is not a horizontal relationship. It's a vertical relationship with Christ. That's the most important. That's where you should spend most of your time. I think it was, was Finney or Spurgeon that said, you know what, I've got so many things I have to do today that I've got to spend four hours instead of two hours in prayer. Think of how your life would be different if the busier your day was, the more time you spent in prayer. That the lighter your workload was, the less time you spent in prayer. Most of us, were opposite of that. I've got so much things to do. God, I hope you understand. I'll talk to you tomorrow. He said to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Passionately in love with Jesus. Can I just tell you, you know whether you're passionately in love with Jesus or not. You know whether you're playing games with God. You don't need me or anybody else to point that out. But the second thing he says is to love your neighbor or to serve your neighbor as you would yourself. That's a horizontal relationship. Isn't that interesting? That's the cross. Vertical, horizontal. Vertical, horizontal. And how do we show our love one for another? By serving each other. Talk is cheap, isn't it? But when you come shovel my drive in the wintertime because I'm out of town, that's the tangible way that you're communicating that you really are my friend. 
It's easy to pat me on the back and say hello to me at church, but when you're willing to, to help me out and help me pick up my kids after school, when my car's broken down, that's a tangible way that you show that you really love me and that you care about me. When something's going on in my world and there's a crisis and you're able to be there in the middle of the night to stand with me and to pray with me and just simply to hold my hand and just to sit, that's what I need. That's a tangible way that you show that you care for me. See, servanthood, service, not writing a check, but service to one another, serving one another, uh, deferring one another over ourselves. That's truly the way that we show and we keep the, 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 the commandments of God. So when we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, so we're passionately in love with Jesus, our hearts are right, our intentions are right, our motivations are right, and we serve one another, it actually charges our spiritual life up. We think that if I just get to another church service, or if I can just get deeper, part of it is the Word, but part of it is loving God by serving one another. And I just, sometimes when we talk about these things, they get to be so ethereal, especially in church, that I just want to kind of anchor this one in a very, a very uh, realistic, practical way. So I want you to check out the screen, and I want you to listen and see a practical way in which we can actually obey the commandment that Christ is talking about. Check this out. My name is Priscilla Graybosch, and I oversee the cleaning at the Germantown campus. The way that the church looks, I know, is you know, an important part of what people see and feel when they come into a building. I once had somebody ask me, how'd you get stuck with this job? And I was in the middle of cleaning a bathroom floor. And I said, I actually like it. It's helping other people to see Life Church the way that I see it, you know, and, and put out, kind of roll out the red carpet for them, you know, and, and make people feel like this is a comfortable place where they can come with their family and worship God and, and get to know other people. One of the, the things that I love to do is when I'm cleaning the chairs, just praying over each chair. And even in the student center, like, you know, praying over that Wednesday night service or with the weekend service, praying over that weekend service and praying for those people who are going to be attending. With the new building at the Germantown campus, um, we are building a team of volunteers to come in and take on the additional square footage. Um, the, the building is about two and a half times the size the previous facilities, um, so it takes an, an additional several hours a week. Um, and so right now we're looking for people who can come in and serve. I think that if Jesus was able to serve and, and be that example for us, then who are we to say that we're above serving or that we're not able to do the things that he did, you know, washing someone else's feet or taking out the trash. You know, it's those things that um, humble us. They really, they keep us human. And, and really the lower we go, the greater we get to know God because we get to see his heart. That's powerful. 
to think that the seat that you're sitting in today, if someone was cleaning it, they were praying for you. That's powerful. And I love the statement. The lower you go, really the closer you're becoming to God. Servanthood, obeying the commands. It's a way in which you stay powered up, that you stay connected. And I encourage you, if you're here at Life Church, you're a regular tender, and you're not involved in some type of an activity of service, I encourage you, get connected uh, in that way and find a place to serve, and we'll help you. LifeTrack is a great way to do that if you've not gone through LifeTrack. If you have, then just simply say, hey, I'm available, uh, and to find that place to serve. The last condition for connection that he gives us is uh, found in verse 26, actually, of, 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 of John chapter 15, and it's yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to get through this kind of quickly, because I, I, but I, I want to make sure that I cover this. Look at verse 26 of John chapter 15. And when the Advocate, or the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you, Jesus said from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father will testify about me. Jesus kind of meanders on, and he comes back again to it, this whole person of the Holy Spirit. He's still in this same conversation in John 16, verse 5. If you have your Bible, just turn right over there to that. Jesus says, but now I'm going to him, to God, who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? But rather you're filled with grief because I have said these things. But truly I tell you, it's good for you that I'm going away. For unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8, and when he comes, here's what he'll do. He'll prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment and about sin because people do not believe in me and about righteousness for I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. There's a lot to unpack, but he, he's talking about the working of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 12. I have so much more to say to you, Jesus said, more than you can bear. But when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, for he will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. For he will glorify me, because it is me that you will receive when he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father are mine. That is why I say the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus says, look, the last thing that he tells them in order to abide in, in Christ, or to abide in the vine, or to remain in the vine, is be yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit's going to come. Jesus is speaking here of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. He's speaking here of this, of this activity of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say this, and I want you to, I want you to follow with me. It's very important that you follow with me. He's speaking to the disciples. They're already saved. They already have a personal relationship with Jesus. How do you know that? Theologically speaking, because verse 3 tells them, look guys, you've already been washed in the word. You're already saved. So we know at salvation that the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the three in one come into your heart and into your life. You are filled with the Spirit of God. What Jesus is talking about here is an infilling or a baptism, a complete 360 submersion of your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's telling them what's about to happen is that the Holy Spirit is going to not just fill you as he has, as verse 3 shows us, but it's going to actually baptize you. And when he does, it's going to be a whole nother level of following me. And that Holy Spirit is going to come into your heart and into your life. 
And according to the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and in your life, you receive a heavenly prayer language. Again, I didn't write the book. I don't get editorial privilege over it. That's exactly what it says. And that when you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, when you begin to pray in that prayer language, you're actually praying the perfect will of God. It's a way in which God the Father, His Spirit connects to your spirit through the person of the Holy Spirit. And He says that the Holy Spirit will do two things. First of all, that He will be a convictor of sin. That He will convict you of sin. That's important. Because all of us, all of us deal with this thing called sin. All of us deal with this thing called temptation. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. We pray that on a regular basis. He taught the disciples to pray that. Why? Because we're all susceptible and prone to fall into temptation. So he's a convictor of our sins. Something I pray regularly. Oh God, please, let never let my conscience become seared. So that when I am battling sin or temptation, that I just become calloused or commonplace to it. Let the convicting power of the Holy Spirit always be powerful in my life. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for this church. But the second thing he says is that the Holy Spirit is the counselor, the comforter. He's the, he's the ultimate life coach, if you would. He's, and he's not going to speak of himself, he says. He'll only speak of Christ, and he won't speak on, on his own behalf, but he'll speak the words of God into your life. So he says... To the disciples. And again, it's a lesson for us. Because all scripture is either descriptive or prescriptive. And this isn't describing anything other than a life in Christ. But it's prescribing. If you want to keep your life in Christ powered up, the way you do it is by making sure that you are connected to the ultimate power source, which is Christ. And you do that by walking in the word. You do that by, by, by being active in prayer. You do that by following the commandments of, of God, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, by serving one another. You do that by being yielded to the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit and I know there's a lot, you know, and I don't have time to go into all of that just because time doesn't permit me this weekend. But this midweek, 6.30, here in the auditorium at the Germantown campus, I'm just going to do a teaching that I've done probably a dozen, dozens of times on the, on the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What does he do according to Scripture? And how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So if you're interested, you just want to kind of audit the course, just come in. It's not going to be weird. We're not going to do worship. We're going to get right into it. Just bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, again, I've already established this. I'll give you one. But we're going to open it up. We're going to see what the Bible says. Because you really don't care what I think or what you think. What does God say? That's what we really want to know. And I'm going to show you exactly what this is and how this works. and, and, and what Because it, it's powerful. Now, being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't get you a better place in heaven. Sorry. It doesn't get you a better place at the, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the ultimate buffet in heaven the first seven years read book of revelation it's all there what it does though is it's like a personal on star system in your life and and i encourage you if you're on that journey you're seeking and that's something that you want join me at 6 30 this this wednesday night and i'm, I'm going to do this here and i'm going to explain and, and help you with this but being yielded to the holy spirit is one of those components in which we need to have to be powered up I want to ask you today, I think if we're following Christ, one of those four areas is something that we probably are struggling with. Maybe your area is it's been a while since you've spent some time in prayer. Maybe it's been a while since you really meaningfully, meaningfully 
began to just walk in God's word. Maybe you're, maybe you're walking in the word and in prayer, but you're not serving. That's what the Bible says, you're becoming fat on the word of God and there's no spiritual activity. James would say that your, work, that your faith is becoming dead because without works, your faith is dead. Do it, live it out. Or maybe it's simply the person of the Holy Spirit that you've just kind of heismaned him. You just kind of just said no. And you've allowed your conscience to become seared in some areas. And I just want to remind us, it's our responsibility to stay connected to him. This life in Christ is the most wonderful gift that God could give us. I'm not talking about the sweet by and by. I'm talking about the here and now. But unless you power it up, unless you actively walk that out, it's going to go dark. And you can blame it on church. You can blame it on me. You can blame it on whatever you want to. But I'm with James, who wrote the book of James in the New Testament. Don't blame it on the devil. Don't blame it on God. It's your own flesh that caused this. It's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Look, guys, if you want to be active and vibrant, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to walk in the word of God yourself. You're going to have to be active and pray yourself. You're going to have to follow the commandments that I've given you yourself. You're going to have to be actively yielded to the Holy Spirit. See, there's sometimes we think that the will of God is some ethereal thing that's out there, and it's not. We know theologically there is a sovereign will of God, which is God's commands and his rules. We, we, we know that God is God, that he created the earth and all that there is. I mean, we know that's, that's a sovereign will of God. We, we, and, and that God loved you and I so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ. There's what's called the moral will of God, which we know that, you know, uh, that to murder is, is wrong, is a sin. The Ten Commandments, the, 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 the morality of, of the will of God. So we don't violate those things. There's a moral will of God. But there's then the thing called the personal will of God, which is something that's very subjective. And sometimes we play very flippantly with that and go, well, God said. Well, you better make sure that God said. Very rarely in my life do I ever say God said. I don't know that I can remember the last time that I said God said. Aaron says a lot of stuff. But <laughs> and I think that it's the Lord, but maybe it's a bad burrito. And I don't want to put something on God that's not him. Make sense? But we struggle with that personal will of God. We get the sovereign will of God. We, 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 we get the moral will of God. But we struggle with the personal will of God. And that's what Jesus is dealing with here. If you will just remain in Christ, if you will just keep your life powered up and connected, it'll work. I promise you it'll work. If you'll just walk in the word regularly, if you'll just walk in prayer and talk to God regularly, if you'll just love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's an attitude of your heart. Not just your actions, it's the attitude of your heart. If you'll serve one another, if you'll defer one another over yourself, if you'll, if you'll forbear with one another, if you'll give each other a break, and if you will just be yielded to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Holy Spirit, say what you want to say. And I'm not talking about, about something that's out there in left field. We don't need any more fruits, flakes, and nuts in, in evangelical church. We, we've got plenty, thanks. We don't need any more granola churches. We just need people, though, that realistically just say, God, what do you want to do? And here it is. And walk it out. And my prayer is that we, as a congregation, will remain in Christ. That we'll stay connected to him. That you will stay connected to him. And I ask you today, evaluate your own heart. Evaluate your own life and make a decision. What course correction do you need to make? What tweak do you need to make? Maybe you need to be here Wednesday night. And simply hear this teaching on the Holy Spirit because that's a brand new thing for you. I don't know. 
That's between you and God. But here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit, who will always speak to Jesus, of, of Jesus, and will always point us to truth, is speaking to your heart right now. I know that the seat that you're sitting in has been prayed for. Not just by Priscilla, but by myself and the staff. And that God's speaking to your heart. And all I'm asking you to do is simply do what he's speaking to you today. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you how real and applicable it is in our life. I thank you, Lord, that it's not ethereal, that it's not out there. Yes, there are some things that, that we don't completely understand. Yes, there are some things we don't have answers to. But, but how to live this life out for you, you just explain it so simply. The problem isn't our understanding. The problem is our practice. We all struggle with this. And so I just pray, God, you give us strength. Give us strength to walk in your word. Give us strength to be active in prayer. I pray, give us strength, Lord, to, to love you in that attitude and, Lord, to serve our neighbor. God, let us be yielded to your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Speak to us. And let us respond with actions and lives of obedience unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.